Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christofferson here on a uh, on a newsworthy Wednesday. I guess I don't I don't know how else to describe yeah. it. The the slow offseason came to a very fast end this morning with a report from Brett McMurphy of uh, total action. I can't remember the name of the site. I should know this. Action Network. Action Network. All right. From Brett McMurphy of Action Network reporting on Nebraska and head coach Scott Frost being under investigation for, I guess, improper practices with analysts. It's still unclear, Brian, and even more so after Trev Alberts and Scott Frost spoke on Wednesday, what exactly the investigation covers, because Brett McMurphy also threw in random stuff about Oklahoma and Nebraska having off-site workouts uh, for strength and conditioning. I don't know if, if you're like me, but I, I find myself kind of confused what exactly the investigation actually covers. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's it starts with the analyst piece. Um, and if they were being used on the to coach in a way that they shouldn't be allowed to, that seems to be the, the thrust of this. Um, you know, maybe beyond that, there's, there's some allegation of uh, – an improper, you know, practice when you weren't allowed or something like that um, with strength coaches, coaches there that seemed to be part of this report. Um, but it's one of those where you don't quite know if there's a lot of meat on the bone or none at all. And then there's a lot of dramatic reactions because it's sort of some of this is Nebraska's doing for sure. I don't want it to be twisted any other way. But then there's another part of it where I feel like like Nebraska is like the the wounded animal that everyone wants to come by and just kind of kick, you know, like whenever they can. And so there, there was sort of a lot of that reaction that was probably over the top. And like, you know, if this is some like grand buyout scheme for Scott Frost and all this stuff, I don't I'm just, maybe I'm naive, but I don't think that's what this is about. I just think it's uh a deal where, you know, someone reported something where, you know, we'll have to see if, if Nebraska did something wrong or not. I don't think it's the, the walls are crashing in on Nebraska football or anything, but it is one more of those uh, headlines, you know, for this fan base where it's like, come on, can we just get to this season and, and, and see if this team can put a better product on the field without extra noise of any other kind. Yeah, it is. Um, it, it it just kind of all lines up sometimes with, with the optics and everything else, and that's sort of how it looks today. I, I would point out that I have never kicked a wounded animal, to my knowledge. Um, so I, I don't like the insinuation that Brian made there that we all just line up to kick him. Uh, have you? <laughs> like, are you just you going around finding dogs in your northeast neighborhood and just kind of tipping them over or what? Oh, man. Man, I maybe maybe I didn't use the best phrase. You know what I mean? Like when a wounded animal's down, you know. <laughs> no, people, I know, I know, I know. I think that's an I I think it's an expression that's used probably not very well by me in that case. But no, no, I do not do that to dogs in Lincoln, nor would I ever. So I want to be clear on that. Uh, you're fine. I just you know I make things difficult on you for no reason whatsoever. But I just do. But yeah, it was uh it was a deal when it first came out. Like I said that my initial sort of curiosity was pretty high. And then as a day has gone along, 
there's really, like I said, there just doesn't feel like there's that much here. I mean, if it comes down to Nebraska using the analysts uh, improperly, then so do about 45 other programs in college football. I, I just don't put a lot of stock in that being something to be up in arms about. And like I, you sort of mentioned with yeah. with the, the buyout thing, I if Nebraska is interested in moving on from Scott Frost and wanting to use this as cause, and I don't think he would be the head football coach currently, I think they would have suspended him. And I don't, I don't see how you would go through this whole investigation and then uh, you go through the season and then you're like, ah, well, we're going to move on and try to save $20 million. This is what we're going to point to. It would seem really disingenuous and I don't think people would believe it. So, and, and by and large, I mean, the, the rest of it, it just, it just is bad optics. I mean, especially for a program that they clearly came out, they wanted to play football last year. So then the conversation becomes, you know, was there any sort of player safety or player endangerment, endangerment things going on with, with health? And that doesn't seem like that was the case. I mean, Nebraska avoided any kind of breakout last year. They seem to have handled the COVID uh, situation fairly well. I just, I think that the headline and everything seemed sort of salacious at the beginning. And now here at, at two twenty on Wednesday, I don't see this thing lasting. I, I don't think it's any sort of distraction for the football team. Cause I know that was a big concern for others. I just don't see this as a, as much of a big deal. I, I think it's going to kind of quickly fade into the background. Uh, and, and maybe I just have a wrong read on it, Brian, but that's just sort of where I sit right now. No, and that's sort of my point. I only brought up that buyout thing because I hear I see that. Like you oh, yeah, see no, people it, who it, like to drive by. Right. They like to drive drive by and and give some snapshot take on Nebraska sports that's usually like not based in reality. And I, I get it. They're twelve and twenty in the last three years. That's enough, right? That's what's the I mean, this program was going to be judged on wins and losses in twenty twenty one in a significant way. And that's still the case. Nothing has changed in how crucial this season is for them to turn a corner and put more W's up. Um, I just think this is – I have the same feeling as you. I mean, when you initially see it, you're kind of reading through it and you're like, okay, um, is, this, is this something that could be pretty severe? And my sort of feeling here on a mid-afternoon on Wednesday is not really – and I, I guess if, if we want to start to go weigh in on every program that has an analyst that, that yells something at a practice or pops on a field, my goodness, let's not be stupid about this. How many programs are doing that? Um, and the NCAA knows that. So it would, be a, it would be a really sort of disingenuous thing to target one school for that particular item if that's where it stops and starts. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that um, entirely. And the, the other stuff that, that kind of came out of this, and it's not really a surprise, I think, for you or I, it might be for other people, and Scott Frost had to speak to that today, but it it brought back the conversation about Oklahoma and who was doing what and, and all of that as well. And I mean, I, I tend to, to sort of buy in on the idea that it was a lot of uh, the desire of, of Scott Frost to potentially look to move that game, but some of it also basically is they're going to be playing the game anyway. So there's not a ton of conversation to have in that regard either. Yeah. I mean, Nebraska sort of already took their, uh, their licks for that one, didn't they? I mean, it, it feels like it's sort of just revisiting a, 
something that's already been um, that doesn't honestly have to do with whatever this thing's about, you know, like, it, so it felt like you're connecting to, a, to an old story where everybody already formed their opinion one way or the other. Um, if, if Frost had a say on it or didn't, whether they know or not. And, uh, and they've, you know, ran with that for a couple months. So I, I don't think there's anything really new on that ground. You know, Scott Frost publicly said, you know, today, you know, I've never made a call on a scheduling thing or anything like that. Of course, you know, other people can do that for you, but um, I'm kind of with you. It's like the game's on the schedule. It didn't get changed. Uh, Nebraska did not look good at the time, and we said as much, but nothing's changed, you know. I mean, it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's the same story as it was three months ago, and you got to – some of this you just got to move on from at some point. And that's where I say – this game on next week, it's, it's so giant for Husker football because they have to get out of this position where everybody who pops by can take a shot at them. You know what I mean? Like they need to start. Anymore to like national media who realize this is still an active, passionate fan base. Anything we say or, or think about Nebraska football is going to get a lot of attention. So we're going to do it. And I mean, we even saw it a week or two ago with this stupid alternative uniform thing that was obviously a fraud. And it's such a dumb thing to talk about. But you have legitimate people in the media who are actually going on about it like it could be a real thing when they probably know better or else they're really dumb. And that's just where <laughs> I mean, that's just where Nebraska football is though, is people want to like get, get the bad out and take a shot at the pinata. And so they got to, they got to, for the sake of their fan base and themselves, step up to the platform next Saturday and play some good football. I mean, they really do. Cause it's going to get bad in a hurry if they don't. Yeah, it, it definitely is uh, an important game coming up for them to, to start the season. And, and it also, the benefit of that week zero game, I mean, people will get an opportunity to, to watch them. And, and if we let our mind wander a little bit and you think about like, okay, what if Nebraska just came out, they took care of business and they, they put up points and they beat down an Illinois team that on paper they're better than that would, it would be nice uh, around here. It would be nice for, for the coaching staff. It'd be nice for the players that would shift the conversation pretty quickly. Uh, you'd still get the, well, it's just Illinois. What do you expect? But at the same time, Nebraska comes out and plays like a team that uh, that by all accounts it has the ability to do it would it would feel a little bit different I mean they just haven't had games like that it's it's been how long since you and I covered the Maryland Nebraska game where they took care of business and they look like a team that deserved to be on a football field and you know they, they built a little good grace for themselves now they gave it away by not putting Iowa into the ground on in November in 2019 getting to six and six but it just there's opportunities have been out there and it just feels like whenever given the chance to make it easier on themselves, Nebraska always seems to choose the second option. Yeah. And I, I wonder what the psychology will be because I do feel like within North stadium, they there's sort of been this rallying cry, like, you know, they know that people are taking shots at them and there's a lot to prove. Um, but now you've got this added thing where it's coming. People are coming back for another trip with that. And, uh, you know, whatever happened, you, you, you know that there's a lot of people 
just waiting to pounce on you. Um, Nebraska should have all the energy in the world for this football game. Uh, but you have to have a controlled energy too. You have to, you know, I've seen Nebraska teams where, you know, there's been so much hyper excitement for a game to prove something. And then it goes the other way on you because you're trying to do too much restore the order against Texas or what, whatever. Yeah. It wasn't restore the order, but you know, the, the red out game, you know, that comes to mind. so you got to have, yeah, that's what I was, I was confusing my, my Husker slogans from the past restore the order would have been the Callahan era. Um, but yeah, it's uh, they're, they're going to have to find that nice middle ground next week to settle into as a team where you understand the stakes of it, but you can control yourself and uh, you know, play your technique and not get outside of yourself when, when you're on the field. Yeah. And, and that has been a challenge um, for this unit in particular uh, for a while. I mean, and as you said, it, it goes back quite some ways, but we'll, we'll see what they're capable of doing. Let's, I, I don't have a whole lot more to add to this. I mean, I, do you, do you foresee some point in time where we get like real closure on this or is this like a thing that burns really bright on August 18th and then suddenly it's September 28th and we haven't thought or talked about it because it doesn't ultimately matter because we're talking about analysts. And, and not to go all Allen Iverson talking about practice, but a very common thing that happens in college football. I just, I don't see Nebraska even sniffing a, a major penalty for this without a lot more information coming out. Well, yeah, I, I don't want to misplay it. Cause whenever you have Dan CAA poking around, it's, it's not great. This does happen though. I mean, there's been stuff, I mean, since, I don't know, six or seven years ago, there was something with textbooks or something that Nebraska turned themselves in on. Um, I mean, if you want to go way back before a big opener in that mid eighties, Nebraska, there was this, you know, alleged sort of ticket scandal where Nebraska didn't know going into a game against Florida state, if they're going to have like 40, some guys suspended, they ended up not being in Nebraska played great and, and won 34, 17. Now that was in the heyday of Nebraska football, uh, but there have been sort of these things in the past that come up where uh, you're under the microscope and whenever you're under that, uh, you never not quite know how it's going to go. But I would go back to if it's, if this is only about the analysts when it's all said and done, I can't imagine that being a significant uh, punch to the gut. I mean, if, if it is, I, I guess I would say that's, that's odd if, if it is with some of the other stuff that has gone on. Now, if there's more to that, if there's more that they uncover that we don't know about necessarily, I guess, you know, we, you got to wait to let it play out and, and be fair about evaluating it. Yeah, definitely agree. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. It'll still be BC and I, we're going to stick around talking about Nebraska football, what we've heard so far. Uh, there are three weeks into fall camp. They start game week next week. Brian, when we talk next week, there's going to be an actual football game at the end of the, at the end of the week on Saturday. I am excited about that. I imagine you are as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Let's say, yeah, let's talk some football on the other side. There's some things to talk about. All right. Well, catch us there. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, so we mentioned we want to talk a little football here, and let's uh, let's dive into it. So I, I think the thing that is maybe the most interesting to me at this juncture of fall camp, which it's it's hard. You're in week three. You're scrounging to come up with some stuff. And, and there's some interesting position battle conversations uh, that we're, we can get to here in a little bit. But I want to start with special teams because I, I just think that's going to be such a, a huge part of if Nebraska kind of gets this thing moving forward or if they find a little consistency for the first time in the Scott Frost era, I I think, and and feel free to, to come after me on this one, Brian, but I think this is the most positive I've felt about Nebraska's special team situation in the last few years. I mean, I, I there's still a lot to be seen about how it goes, but they have put a lot of attention to it. You hear it from the coaches, you hear it from Mike Dawson, you hear it from other assistants. I I feel like compared to years past, Nebraska has a better handle on how they want to go about attacking teams, what they want to do. And I think they have the actual pieces in place to be a little bit more successful in the third phase of the game. Am I, am I overstepping with this? Um. I wouldn't say overstepping. No, I, I don't know. I I'm sort of in the middle. I'm to that point with special teams where I like, let's, let's just see, you know, like I, I kind of, I don't want to go out there and put all my faith behind it. Now, the one thing I do like is I think Mike Dawson is a very good coach. Like I just, I've always thought that when I listen to him and when I hear his players talk about him. And especially this camp, if there's one thing I've taken from guys who work on special teams, it's that they think he's the absolute right man for the job. Like they really think that he gets the most out of them. Um, There's guys who are really eager to be involved on special teams right now. I think there's guys who are good athletes and have been high profile recruits like a Noah Pola Gates. I'll use as an example who maybe he's not quite going to see the defensive side of things a lot yet but he understands I can make a difference in four different special teams and start to have a calling card there and build myself up into something else. So they've got that part going. The the unknowns are, we don't know quite who the kickoff guy is yet. There was a video that teased, you know, Brendan Frank, who they brought in um, just this summer um, that seemed to maybe imply that he could be that guy. Uh, instead of Connor Culp and we'll see if maybe he had he has the job and has a big leg and then there's you know Daniel Carney or I never know how to pronounce Cherney 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 is the go-to so Cherney I guess there's a little bit of worry to me that he didn't just lock up the job and it's sort of been unknown if it's him or 
you know, if it's pressed up or whoever. Um, so I don't know what they're going to be at punter. I'm not, I'm not sure yet. And so I guess I feel good about the intensity, but you still need the guys who have to kick it to come through for you. Yeah. And, and I don't want to make it seem like they're going to, everything is great and rainbows and all of that stuff, but I just feel like they've, they've definitely put a lot of attention to it. And I just think they're also roster wise in a spot where they have guys like Noah Pola Gates and others that they can throw out there. I just keep going back to this time in 2018 where they play Troy, they give up a punt return for a touchdown and you talk to Javon DeWitt and he's just incredibly dismayed at the lack of effort from guys who otherwise weren't playing in other spots in that game that they didn't seem like they were taking it serious. And I think we're a far cry from that. I I think that Nebraska has guys that Mm -hmm. want to be out there. You talk to Noah Pola Gates or to Isaac Gifford or to some other individuals and, and you sort of, get the sense like they they collectively understand that they may not have another role in the in the defense or a strong role carved out in the defense so they have to take full advantage of when they're on the field in these coverage units or the kick returns and all of that and some of it for guys like Noah Pola Gates like it you know people like me will sit there and they're a freshman and say well he should be able to help on special teams a guy like that didn't even know how to to block or to, to what kick coverage was he didn't do it in high school you know, he didn't, he didn't have that mm-hmm. background. And so sometimes it takes a while to learn and, and, you know, listening to him talk about what they've done to kind of improve that technique and how they've sort of made it fun uh, at the beginning of practice, um, the, the, the sort of drills and everything and the competitive nature of it. I just think it speaks to the right direction. Now the results have to follow. And of course we'll get a better look of that on Saturday, but that's, that's sort of what I was kind of referring to there. And, and you're right. I mean, the million dollar question, is really comes to the the kickoff where if you can at least get 25% touchbacks, it would help substantially compared to putting it short and right down the middle, which is what Nebraska seemed like they did far too often last year. And I just want to see good decisions in the return game. I That's a great point. I am not someone who is going to cry out that they have to replicate what DeMornay Pierce and L did the one year. I think in some ways there's this feeling like, like uh, that is sort of normal <laughs> around here. Sometimes I feel like he spoiled us a little bit that one year when he had all those return yards. If people actually go look at like punt return stats nationally, that is a part of the game where teams are not getting a ton of yards. Like there's only, I don't want to say how many, but there's only like a fourth or third of the teams we have like over 250 or 200 punt return yards in a season in college football. So I think people have to have some sort of uh, reasonable take on that uh, while also asking for more than Santino Panico back there, you know? And then the other part is in the kick return game, you're going to have to have that, that not only special talent, but that student of the game, who understands when it's just the right time to just wave your hand in the air and take that football to 25 yard line. And when is the moment where you can strike and, and actually make that big play. And I understand that's difficult because you're an athlete. You want to go, you want to take it hundred yards. You think you can, that's how you're built. I get all that, but there's going to have to be sort of a nice balance of smarts displayed back there. That was sometimes uh, a little off last season more than a little off and there was no good the blocking the blocking wasn't good for those guys either I mean they didn't have a chance they were getting snowed under at the 15 yard line 
do you think collectively there's another player in Nebraska lore that people immediately just know what you mean when you refer to something as Santino? I can't even pronounce his last name. Nico? Nico. 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 Yeah. So I, it feels yeah. like if you just say that name, almost everyone knows exactly what you're talking. Yeah, it's like a it's like a word for like oh the the punt return game's a mess. You just say Santino Panico and everybody knows it's a, and I don't. It wasn't even necessarily Santino's fault. He was just doing what he was told. He was a guy who could catch it, yeah. and he fair caught it a lot. And that was sort of the joke. I think he would get like one or two yards when he did return it. Uh, but it was sort of his responsibility that he was being asked to do. So it's probably a little unfair to him. But yes, you're right. It is sort of a name that just is attached to a certain part of Husker football. Do we know whatever happened to his career? I I do not know. I I don't know what where he went. He's I probably we might have looked this up. Know, making, I'm, I'm getting deja vu. There's a uh, there's a Teddy Greenstein story of uh, him proclaiming himself the worst punt returner in Nebraska history. And now he's an advocate for a <laughs> diet. That's, that's what I can tell you by just looking at this quickly. Ah, well, that's interesting. He's, he, he, probably, uh, he's probably doing he very to, well for himself and has carved out a nice life. There's more, there's more to life than returning punts at Nebraska football. Um, believe it or not. But uh I, I like if he embraces it though, because it is sort of it can be a fun thing at some point, can it? Yeah, he uh, he tried to go to Utah, but the NCAA blocked it regarding credit hours, and so he just gave up and ended up at Arizona State as a student. So, the NCAA man, they're they're everywhere. Tough. They're always coming after Nebraska. It seems. It. Anything else? I guess today, uh, what's jumping out to me of this camp running match, right? Savion Morrison is, yeah, yeah. Savion Morrison's a real. That's a real thing. Like he, um, I think this doesn't shock you because you covered him through recruiting. You knew that he set all those records down in Oklahoma, and a lot of people wanted him. And then last year, you can add more about Savion because I think you talked to him last week. But you know, last year was such a difficult thing for any newcomer but then he caught COVID he had all these different things he had to deal with and he never really got to get going and now that he is and he's got his body right his talent is sort of shining and I kind of got the impression he could be the top guy right now they didn't flat out say that but that that seemed to be we were getting close to implying that when Matt Lubick was talking today yeah it's it's really kind of fascinating because it just sort of goes back and forth on one day. It seems like Marquis step is sort of the talk of things and, and he's gonna, he's gonna get that bleep downhill and, you know, gritty offense and all of that. The next day it's Gabe Irvin is getting all the reps with the ones. And then now it's Sevion Morrison. So it's, I don't, I don't know if this is by design. I don't know if it's the ebb and flow of camp. I don't know if they just have several guys that they can use, uh, but it, it has been sort of, fascinating to kind of track this thing and and if nothing else if it doesn't work immediately it seems like they're going to give themselves different options at running back but I do think Morrison has maybe the highest potential out of that group I mean he was a really good running back in high school he set records at Oklahoma he thinks very highly of what he can do and I don't mean that in like a negative way like sometimes having that kind of confidence is really valuable 
because you don't allow yourself to, to, to think negatively or, or get caught up in different things. And he's someone that views himself as a guy that can be a, a big play specialist for Nebraska and not just one or two times here or there, but on a consistent basis. And I also think he brings uh, an interesting body size element to it too. He's a little bit longer. You can match him up if you get him split out against linebackers in a way that they use Maurice Washington. You can get him the ball in the space, and, and he has good bursts there, but he also has home run potential. So I I think there's a lot to like with Sevion Morrison. It's just like I said, it's hard to get my arms around. Some days it feels like, oh, they brought Marquis Step here to be the bell cow. Some days it's, man, Gabe Irvin made such a move in the spring, and, and now it's Sevion Morrison. I, I just have a tough time handicapping it. I mean, I, I went from feeling pretty good that it was going to be Marquis <laughs> Step to now I have no idea. Maybe he's just going to be a role guy, but that's, it seems like a good problem for Nebraska. Yeah. You need three guys that you can trust to carry it throughout the game. But I also like what Matt Lubick said today where he's like, there still has to be that guy when it's third down and one or when it's the last drive of the game and you're trying to close it out, who's the guy, you know, like that you sort of emerges as the person that you trust in that moment. And so that's going to be the interesting part. And I have to think, to, if we're just being honest, it's, it takes some games to maybe figure that out, actually, with these, this crew. Because, I mean, they only get so many practices where you're actually getting contact nowadays. And you're seeing who actually can get the yards after contact. And to me, that's going to be the biggest thing of all, is which running back can take a play that is maybe a two- or three-yard play and make it a five-yard play like I the home run aspect is nice but give me that guy who can get you one or two extra three extra yards on a play kind of routinely and that's my favorite right there at running back to get you in good you know down a distance situation so it is a it's an interesting deal but I think there's no doubt Savion Morrison has sort of been a name that has just been all over this fall camp and uh, that's good. I mean, he was supposed to come in here and be a big, you know, standout. And and it's good that you're hearing from him. I guess the other interesting thing real quick to me is who starts at left tackle. Um, because Corcoran, I think, has been limited some. Um, it's, you know, he was at the practice, but he wasn't doing the drills we saw. So Brant Banks was getting some, has been getting some reps at left tackle. So that could be an interesting spot too. Um, obviously, Corcoran doesn't have a lot of experience edge over Banks at this point in his career, but that's just something to monitor over the next week if they say who's going to be the guy there for sure. Yeah. No, I, I, I think it, it feels like it, it could be Banks simply because we just haven't heard or seen much of Turner Corcoran. Um, but and that's, again, you know, the, one of the things of having as many offensive linemen as they do they feel good about what Brant Banks can kind of provide as a catch-all backup for a number of spots. Uh, he was up there and spoke today. I don't know. I guess I don't know if it limits their ability. Uh, if they, they go play in Champaign, you don't have Turner Corcoran, but he he is sort of the, the guy of the future, so he wanted to be there at some point in time. I, I, I don't know about you, Brian. I'm just – I'm ready for, uh, ready for football here. So I'm excited that next week when we're doing this, we're, we're right squarely in game week. We're only about – what 10 days away from being over to in champagne and and at this point they'd be well within uh striking distance of finishing that game out so i am uh, i'm looking forward to it 
Yeah, it'll be it'll be nice. We didn't expect what was going to happen today, um, you know, and that it's something we'll keep track of. And I don't want to act like it's nothing when I don't know what all the details are. My initial reaction is it's not a big thing, but it's another thing that's out there about Nebraska football that people can kind of latch on to. And, um, you know, it, this is this team's got to go out there and shut people up by just playing good football. They're not going to do it all by one game, good game, but they could, uh, they could at least, uh, I think they could build a lot of positivity in the fan base and inside the Husker family by representing well in that game. And then you have it set up where you have a couple home games, maybe you get a little momentum and, and you turn the conversation from what it's been. And that, that's the big, they, they just got to, they got to move this conversation along for all of us. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to move this conversation along as well. We are done for the day, but we're going to come back next week. Next week starts, Brian. You got to you got to prepare yourself, train that voice a little bit, uh, because we're going to be talking a lot. We're going to have two podcasts. The Hypecast is coming back. It is going to be a good time. We're going to bring some guests along with us, hopefully starting next week. And of course, we will have our normal weekly podcast as well. So we're going to have both of those. Should be a good time. We look forward to bringing the information to the people. And of course, be sure to stop by Husker 24-7. We have a lot of stuff going on on the site right now. We didn't, don't have time to really get into it, uh, but there's a couple very notable targets in 2024 that made the initial top 100 from 24-7 sports. Of course, you, all your practice news and notes are there, as well as the full comments from Scott Frost and Trev Alberts, who spoke today. There's a transfer portal lineman edition from Nebraska. Jimmy Fritchie is out. We got that coverage as well. So be sure to stop by Husker 24-7. We'll be active as always leading up to this game. And we'll be back next week with another podcast.